Fusapod, conversations about creativity, community, and the things that matter. Yes, design thinking is BS, and we should promote it anyway. Design thinking is indeed a buzzword, and it's also a useful starting point for deeper understanding. Hi, this is Lishan Huang. In this episode of Fusapod, I respond to Pentagram partner Natasha Jen, who gave a talk at the 99U conference in New York, where she threw some provocative thought bombs at design thinking. Now, I teach design thinking in places ranging from Fortune 500 corporations to universities, and in many ways, I actually agree with Natasha. Design thinking is sometimes BS, but I also think it's useful BS. Before we get any further, here's my working definition of design thinking. Design thinking, a method and a mindset that starts with an understanding of human needs and motivations to define, frame, and solve problems. Natasha calls design thinking a buzzword. We have been um, living with this term, um, design thinking, in our everyday life for a while now, and has become such a buzzword. Accuses it of being obsessed with a single tool, post-it notes. Design is now reduced to a single tool that is called 3M post-its. And claims that it lacks the rigor of expert crit or critique and proof. Crit is completely missing from this process. Here's Natasha's definition of design thinking. That is design thinking right now. It packages the designer's way of working for non-designer audience by codifying their processes into a prescriptive step-by-step approach to creative problem solving, claiming that it can be applied by anyone to any problems. Reading between the lines, I can see how expert designers like Natasha are concerned about the proliferation of design thinking. If anyone and everyone can design think to solve any problem, what makes professional designers special? Besides our fancy design industry conferences, of course. The tension is clear. Serious, critical expert designers versus amateur design thinkers with their babbling buzzwords and bubbling positivity. A recipe is not a substitute for expert technique. Let's think of design thinking as a recipe. Even if a Michelin-starred chef were to reveal their best recipes to us, we as amateur cooks would not have the capacity, skills, technique, craft, intuition, expertise to be able to make the same quality of food. Think of it in terms of this equation. Recipe times capacity equals results. Recipe times capacity equals results. So multiply the method, the recipe, by your ability to deliver your capacity and the results are the potential dent you make in solving a given problem. Design thinking may offer up some of the problem-solving recipes from the designer cookbook, but novices still have to take the time to develop their capacity, their skills, to get the same results as an expert. You may be familiar with Magritte's famous painting, Ceci n'est pas une pipe. This is not a pipe, it's a painting of a pipe. And in the same way, post-it notes are not design thinking. Design thinking is more than post-its. As part of Natasha's presentation, she did a Google image search for design thinking and saw a bunch of pictures of post-it notes. She didn't seem to like post-its and the audience chuckles in agreement. Design is now reduced to a single tool that is called 3M post-its. And you're probably pretty familiar with these images. Seriously, go type in design thinking and you will see these are the images that that come up in Google. And that is really telling, you know? But post-its are just tools, not the sum total of design thinking. In the same way, Magritte's painting of a pipe is not a pipe, it's a representation of a pipe. It would be absurd to call out graphic designers for their singular obsession with tools from the Adobe Creative Suite, Photoshop, Illustrator, etc. 
You can still practice graphic design even if you don't use the most popular tools of the trade. Use of a certain tool does not define an entire discipline. Post-its are popular tools for transcribing and organizing ideas, but design thinking works with or without them. Use recycled paper instead. Write on papyrus, parchment, or cuneiform tablets even. Whatever works for you. Post-its are not design thinking. They are just a tool for design thinkers, just as Adobe Photoshop or Illustrator are not graphic design. They're just tools. Critique isn't in a hexagon, but it's baked into the process. Natasha also derided the hexagons that are commonly used to visualize the design thinking process. As you can see, that it's typically visualized and represented as five, um, somehow, hexagons. I don't know why hexagons. Um, so the audience chuckles again. There's no need to argue with one's polygon preferences, so I'll move on. What Natasha was referring to here are the hexagons used by the Stanford D School as a way of visualizing the design thinking process. That process, in the D School's language, starts with empathize, then moves on to defining a problem, ideating potential solutions, prototyping a smaller subset of those solutions, and then testing, rinsing, and repeating. One of Natasha's principal points against design thinking is its perceived lack of crit or critique. What, what, what is really lacking here when you present something to, uh, meaning design, to your colleagues, to people, the first thing that people would react to is what I call crit. So crit is completely missing from this process. Critique may not appear as one of the hexagons in the Stanford D School design thinking method, but it's baked in the process every step of the way. Let's start with empathize. Empathizing with people, users, in the design thinking parlance requires open-ended and open-hearted listening and observation without judgment. But it also requires a critical understanding of how to conduct user interviews and information. We need to be critical when deciding what user information is relevant and which insights are actually useful and actionable for us in the design process. Next, we have define. Defining a problem also requires critical discussions about what is the real problem to be solved and how the problem should be framed. Oftentimes, the initial problem that we start with is not the real problem, and so we can often reframe the problem along the way. Next, we get to the ideate phase. Ideation involves open-ended yes and brainstorming. And yes, there are often post-its involved in this stage, but there are also more critical periods within the ideation stage that involve whittling down ideas into the best ones, the best ones that we want to move forward. Next, we have prototyping. Prototyping is the time to make something rough. Maybe it sucks the first time around, but that's okay. Whatever we make serves as a communications tool for receiving critique and feedback. And then we get to testing. The testing phase embodies much of the spirit of design critique. This is where we actually get feedback from our peers, fellow designers, design thinkers, as well as our target users. From there, we go back to the drawing board or the drafting table and continue until we get it right. There is space for critique and feedback throughout the entire design thinking process, even if it's not written in a hexagon. So when we teach design thinking to beginners in our workshops, we often pair students with expert coaches to provide critique and guidance when necessary. But coaches also know when to hang back, when the time is right for students to foster their own creativity and to learn by doing, making mistakes, and trying again. Design thinking is a method and a mindset of shifting between open-ended yes and and more critical no but thinking and doing. When design thinking is done right, critique is baked in all along the way. 
Design thinking is a means, not an end. As the Buddha teaches, the raft is not the shore. Design thinking is a starting point, a tool, a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Design thinking may be BS, but it can be useful BS. It's a starting point for going deeper. Sure, every system of belief and practice, whether it's design thinking, CrossFit, or organized religion, has its overzealous advocates, but that should not deter us from engaging with the main points of the practice itself. Sure, design thinking is often taught in short, intensive courses, ranging from a half day to a week. And for some students, a little bit of knowledge can be a big deal of dangerous. A little bit of design thinking can overinflate egos and self-perceptions of creative greatness, but so can a lot of fancy expensive design school education, to be fair. Either way, it's fair to blame the practitioners who go astray, but still engage fairly with the practice itself. The evidence is there if you Google harder. Natasha takes issue with a design thinking project by GE that puts cartoon characters and graphics in hospital MRI rooms. MRI scan for children. Let's put, you know, um, cartoons on the wall. Do you really need design thinking to actually do that? Isn't that a little bit obvious? The project that Natasha is referring to is the GE Adventure Series MRI project. Doug Dietz, who was the principal designer for that project, gave a TEDx talk about that. I'll post a link in the show notes. Back to addressing Natasha's point. Yes, everything is obvious in retrospect. When the problem is solved, the solution can seem obvious. But from Doug's account of the story and the process, it wasn't obvious for industrial designers and healthcare providers involved at the outset. Natasha challenges designers and design thinkers to provide evidence for the effectiveness of our work. But there is evidence for the effectiveness of the GE Adventure Series. Before the Adventure Series was introduced, hospitals had to sedate as many as 80% of its young patients, something that comes with staggering financial costs, emotional difficulty, and medical risk. But after the Adventure Series was introduced, these sedation rates plummeted, and hospitals using the new service achieved up to a 90% increase in patient satisfaction scores. So the evidence is there if you Google harder. So what? Yes, and. Design thinking is a way to put empathy into practice. It teaches practitioners to try to understand human needs as the basis of problem solving. And in a world in desperate need for more empathy, I'm happy to promote more design thinking as one of the ways to get there. When I have to decide between two equally proficient designers to hire from a technical perspective, I'll always choose the one who demonstrates more empathy any day. In the times in which we are living, we don't just need talented critical craftspeople, we need concerned, civically engaged designers and design thinkers. I think we can use design thinking as a hook to go from buzzword to real talk and action to address the social and environmental problems that we face. Yes, and you can have your design thinking and eat your crit cake too. Maybe design thinking is just corporate jargon, but it's also served as a starting point for buttoned-up law firms, staid public policy think tanks, and old-school humanitarian organizations of the world to have conversations about approaching and solving problems in new ways. If design thinking is the good cop that gets you to open up and talk, then design critique is the bad cop that keeps you honest. Design thinking may be bullshit, but it's useful bullshit. I'm down to play in the shit and meet people where they are. Design thinking is training wheels. Design thinking is a deliberate linearization and simplification of a complex creative process. This simplification makes accessible what is often opaque. It allows diverse teams to participate in conversations with seasoned design practitioners who have honed their craft, skills, and instinct over time. It offers a partial recipe, but we still need to hone our capacity through time, practice, and critique. One final analogy to illustrate my point. I also teach capoeira, a Brazilian martial art disguised in dance. Practitioners of capoeira play, we don't say spar or fight, 
We play capoeira in an improvised manner in a circle known as a hoda. Expert capoeira is improvisational, instinctive, and responsive to the movements of one's partner and context. The only way to get such apparent effortlessness is through long, rigorous training. But for beginners, we start with scripted sequences of movements to work on technique through rote repetition before the improvisation can begin. Design thinking is like the scripted sequence version of design. It may not be elegant or pretty, it may not even be real design, but it serves a pedagogical purpose for getting novices and non-designers involved in creative problem solving. Design thinking is a way to open up conversations about design and creative problem solving to a wider audience. Design thinking gives people the tools to think creatively, work collaboratively, and imagine and prototype potential future states. Sure, it may use tacky hexagons and post-it notes, the professional expert designers may look down on it, but I think it's still a good place to start. I hope this podcast has helped to further our conversations about design and design thinking. Okay now, crit me please, let me know what you think. Fusapod is a podcast about creativity, community, and the things that matter. Fusapod is produced by Rob Nanis, Jared Reed, and me. I'm Lee Sean Huang. Until next time.